0: Why settle for just living a good life when you can live a life optimized to achieve your human potential? Learn all the hacks that will transform your life from average to extraordinary. Welcome to Life Optimized with functional medicine expert, Dr. Neil Paulvin. Hello, Dr. Paulvin here with another new episode of the Life Optimized podcast. We're back for another season where we talk about how to optimize your health mindset, business, and sports. So today we're doing a solo cast. We do have a lot of great new podcasts coming over the year. We're going to be talking with patients, with people about optimizing the brain health for physical fitness, um, a couple of the new biological HS coming up during the season. But today we're going to talk about question I'm getting asked more and more is I want to evaluate, I want to help prevent, or unfortunately I know somebody who has early Alzheimer's. What do I need to do about it? And so we're going to kind of break this down into three or four little mini sessions in terms of some of the things that are out there that we now know. Um, We're going to start with what new tests are out there and what you can get through traditional insurance and then kind of go into some newer treatments that may potentially help and go from there. So at the end, if you definitely have any questions or comments, definitely put it at the end of the podcast. I'm glad to answer them for you as much as I'm able to. So here's for those who want a little more detail. Alzheimer's is the, what we call neurodegenerative issue, where the brain will damage the brain cells and it will lead to things like memory loss, potential issues with walking, uh, energy levels, headaches, and other types of um, problems in terms of neurologically. It is usually due to the two things we know um, definitively, actually we know more now, are the buildup of a protein called amyloid protein, which will collect in different areas of the brain and will limit the effectiveness of your brain neurons to function appropriately. It also will lead to the buildup of what are called tau proteins as well. And those tau proteins will, again, limit the function of the neurons and your brain cells and lead to progressive memory loss, potentially eventually problems walking, problems with expediting aging, and increased inflammation, and unfortunately, many other issues that now one of nine patients over the over the age of 65 are experiencing Alzheimer's, increasing, more increasing cases of people younger than 65 and early onset Alzheimer's disease, which has numerous different causes. And the part of the reason we're talking about this today is there's a quandary in the sense of there's several new medicines that came out as antibodies, specifically targeting amyloid protein. And is this a home run? Is this something that's going to help us totally cure Alzheimer's? And unfortunately, is no. We know that all all Alzheimer's is not due to the buildup of of amyloid plaque. It's not due all to the buildup of tau proteins. It is part could be due to that. But also, we know there's a relationship where patients who have an increase in amyloid may not develop automatically develop Alzheimer's and not all patients with Alzheimer's moderate mild or severe are going to have issues with amyloid so it's not always a one-to-one relationship which again hopefully these antibodies will help some patients but it's not going to help everybody same now with the things that are targeting the tau protein not everybody who has Alzheimer's Alzheimer's type symptoms have um, buildup of tau proteins. So it's something that we definitely want to look at. And again, the first thing we're going to talk about are some of the tests that are out there that are helpful in evaluating patients for Alzheimer's. So ones that we look at, ApoE4, anybody who followed the Chris Hemsworth Limitless special was well aware that he came back, um, what I call heterozygous, I think, for the ApoE4 gene. Any of the type of genes, you get one from mom and one from dad. If you have one, it's called heterozygous. If you have both, it's called homozygous. Increases the risk for anywhere. If you're heterozygous, it's four to five times. It could be up to 11, 10 to 11 times if you have both genes. So that is something that you should get done. If you have a family history, don't have a family history, the downside to any of these amyloid uh, Alzheimer's tests are do you want that information? Now, most patients now do want to know if they have an increased risk for Alzheimer's because they can do the predictive the. Pre- the things they do to protect themselves from it as much as they can. And also they can, in theory, some people want to address, live their life in a certain way. There's other people who have a history, a family history or just are curious about it, don't want to get that test done because they don't want to know specifically. These a lot of these new tests are coming out. They give a lot of information. It's very provocative, but you need to know that you can handle the information one way or the other. Or do you prefer not to know and just do what you can and live life? Both are fine. There's not a right or wrong answer. Unfortunately, right now, like I said, there's no specific treatment for Alzheimer's. So that does become a little more troublesome. With these results, you have a positive test and know that you may not, there may not be one specific treatment for it. You may have to try multiple different things and hope that they work for you. And the good news is some of these treatments, both traditional, like Adelheim and some of the other medications and some of these other types of uh, protocols that are now being developed, there is some great potential there. They're now being fully evaluated in other studies, but they're not all 100% either. So just be aware of that. So the test that we look at, again, besides an apb 4 you can get what's called a P-TAU or an R-TAU lab test done, again, to assess the level of tau protein, which will give you some indication if you're an in increased risk for Alzheimer's. You can also get an amyloid level checked. Again, gives you an idea. It's not... Locked in stone is something that you just do want to be aware of. It gives you some information that you can use between the APOE4, the tau protein, the amyloid protein. There are antibodies you can get to the base, the, uh, the blood-brain barrier, which is that level in between the, um, between the brain and the rest of the body that can be damaged from toxins or high cholesterol or other things. If that blood-brain barrier is damaged, you have an increased risk of having Alzheimer's. So it's another lab test that you can have done. There's a semi-test that can be done, a blood test. There are different tests that are out there. They all put a piece of the puzzle there. We do. You do want to potentially just, again, check inflammation markers, cholesterol markers, because there's a definitely an increased risk with cholesterol being elevated and increased risk of Alzheimer's, especially homocysteine, which helps your body use B12 folate, among other things. You definitely want to know that you want your like to have your home assisting under number ten. So those are the lab tests. Again, none of them are perfect, but it's a nice combination of a place where you can start to look at where you are. So the, most a lot of these tests have come out in the last six to nine months. You do want to check with your health insurance to see what's covered. You do want to also again figure out what you information you want to be able to use and be able to have a physician that you can relate to and speak with who's knowledgeable on the subject to help give you that that what you could do traditionally and what can be done alternatively. So that's the, the lab tests are done. So let's now go into what new things have come out to potentially help patients deal with Alzheimer's. So a couple things. One first thing, a couple studies that have come out in the last couple weeks highlighting what you already know, besides some of these medications potentially, the best treatment for Alzheimer's is exercise, high-intensity exercise at least three times a week because of the anti-inflammatory component, because of the ability to produce BDNF brain tr- derived neurotrophic neurotropic factor. All these things are beneficial for patients with Alzheimer's. We now know that another one of are called myokines, which is the chemicals produced during workouts called irisin, will help may lower your risk of Alzheimer's. So again, no matter what, if you're not, exercise is so important, just for obviously for general health, it may be a very important component to help limiting and potentially preventing Alzheimer's. Another study, again, first start with lifestyle changes, that patients who have lower deep, amount of deep sleep are going to have an increased risk of Alzheimer's. So deep sleep can be measured to some degree on your wearable, on your aura Ring, your Whoop, your Eight Sleep, whatever you happen to be using. It's something that you definitely want to be aware of in terms of what's out there. You do it gotta take it with a grain of salt. It's not completely accurate, but we can tell again if what your deep sleep levels are. If you're somebody who's going to bed after midnight, we know that deep sleep levels will, may diminish if you go to bed after midnight. So all those different things are risk factors for Alzheimer's and things that you can do to help prevent your risk. So those are two things, just lifestyle-wise, that we know affect Alzheimer's. The third thing that we know now is the microbiome of your gut, which is the bacteria in your gut, if it's abnormal, can increase your risk of Alzheimer's. If you're deficient in uh, what's called bifidobacter, if you're lactobacillus, acromantia, and some other gut bacteria, that may increase your risk for Alzheimer's, especially if you have damage to the vagus nerve, which is part of the gut brain connection. This could be from stress. This could be from an infection. This could be from uh, gut issues such as SIBO or irritable bowel or inflammatory bowel like Crohn's disease. All these things can, again, increase your risk for Alzheimer's. You can assess this through multiple stool tests, GI map, Genova's test, I think biome will, will give you an idea where your microbiome is, but those are things that you, we can hopefully correct to some degree with very specific probiotics. And there's going to be much more specific over the next couple of years where we can develop a very specific probiotic specific to you. So you could be on a metas- a probiotic different than your sister, different than your best friend. That targets your specific deficiencies. But things you want to make sure that you're doing is that you want to do things that will help with the vagus nerve, which is cold immersion, which could be Wim Hof breathing, box breathing. Um, all those different types of things help regulate the way your vagus nerve works. And getting that stool test to evaluate how well your gut microbiome is they the reason we're more concerned is i mentioned the blood-brain barrier earlier was that dividing line between the brain and the rest of the body if that's been damaged by toxins or stress or you have what's called leaky gut where you already have a damage to your gut membrane you're more than likely have a potentially have what they call leaky brain which sounds worse than probably it is where that damage that that brain barrier has been damaged and that will lead increase your risk to Alzheimer's. So exercise, stress, optimize your gut microbiome. It could be by taking supplements like probiotics and butyrate. You can do prebiotic foods like kefir or asparagus or things like that. You could try using foods like resistant starch, which help boost your small chain fatty acid. Those are These are all lifestyle changes that you can make to potentially increase risk of Alzheimer's. And they're simple to do. In terms of diet, we've learned a couple of things very recently. We now know that the high-purity extra virgin olive oil may decrease your risk for Alzheimer's. It has to be pure. It should be in a glass bottle, not plastic, because then you're introducing the toxins in the plastic, like BPA, into the area. But you, th- that is something that you can do. Very simple. Just make sure you try to cook with it on... Ceramic, not on Teflon. Again, you want to you want you would get the benefits of the extra virgin olive oil and not decrease the benefits of it. Other food study just came out as we're recording this, showing that patients who have an increased risk of lutein and astaxanthin, which are what are called carotenoids, which come from vegetables and fruits, may be decrease neurodegeneration, may decrease the inflammation in the brain, and may decrease your risk of Alzheimer's. We don't, there are patients that have a lower risk of Alzheimer's who do not develop. Alzheimer's tend to have higher levels of these nutrients in their system. We don't know what the direct relationship is yet. They're working on that. So you're looking at foods like peppers and onions and some tomatoes are all sources of those. You can try to supplement as well, but the patients who took it in as part of their diet and had high vegetable diets, sometimes up to seven to nine servings of vegetables, found to be very helpful and potentially decreasing your risk for Alzheimer's. So again, these are all basic lifestyle things that are out there. Exercise, diet, gut health, sleep, that you can use to help decrease your risk of Alzheimer's. So one other thing in terms of lifestyle not as common is we we keep mentioning the blood-brain barrier. If you you want to limit your exposure to toxins, things like, again, BPA in plastics, phthalates, things that you may have, uh, flame retardants on some type of sheets. Those are all things that may damage the blood-brain barrier and increase your risk for Alzheimer's, as well as limiting your autoimmune exposures, which again, are going to be more evaluated through lab work, as well as controlling gut health. A lot of your immune health is regulated by your gut. So those are the things that we know, again, those are in the lifestyle component of what we know that may help in terms of Alzheimer's. But like I mentioned in the beginning, we know that patients who, not all patients who have Alzheimer's have high levels of amyloid or have high levels of tau protein. And then we're finding other issues that are associated with it. One is mitochondrial dysfunction. Uh, mitochondria, the energy part of your cell. And we know that the, you want to help those mitochondria the best that you can. And we know there's some potentially specific supplements and or IVs or that are going to potentially help boost the mitochondria a we now know is a link between NAD um, specifically NR and uh, nicotinamide riboside may help in terms of mitochondrial health we know that spermidine a product from weed germ may help the mitochondria as well as the general cell and do autophagy and some mitophagy which is division of the mitochondria we know melatonin will help that the mitochondria work appropriately. We also know that MitoQ, a form of CoQ10, also may be very helpful in helping that mitochondria work appropriately. Um, there's some other ones that we're not as sure about, things like carnitine, alpha lipoic acid. Also, may help the mitochondria work much better. There's also methylene blue, which is supplement that we uh, not supplement is a product that we use for things in the emergency room. Now, has potentially been shown not only to decrease amyloid plaque, but we know is an antioxidant. Lower doses will reduce oxidative stress and also increase the performance of production of ATP. So, those are different supplements that we do to target the mitochondria. You can get an organic acid test. You can get a CoQ10 test. You can get a carnitine level done. Not all those are exact, um, but they're good, helpful for a full evaluation right now of your mitochondria. They're also linking red light therapy, optimally intranasal and cranial. Violite has a product. Neuronic has a product. A couple other ones that are out there that are helpful in terms of potentially working on the mitochondrial deficits and helping you with Alzheimer's. And then we another product, another component is what they call mitophagy which is the recycling of the mitochondria and that the product that's best for that is urolysin a it's out there as a product called mitopure has incredible benefits to it so those studies have recently come out Multiple studies have come out showing the link between damage to the mitochondria, specifically mitophagy, increases your risk for Alzheimer's, and then the patients people who don't have the ability to recycle the mitochondria. There's been now a double link to if you have a problem with your circadian rhythm, which is your sleep cycle wakes and your sleep wake cycle that that may increase your risk even more and that increases your risk of oxidative stress. And this will just snowball your risk for neurodegenerative issues in general and potentially specifically Alzheimer's disease, which leads us into another study that's been shown in terms of oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is nitrate, the superoxide radicals that are produced normally during any process. When you're making anything, you may get a couple sparks. You may get a little bit of, of byproduct. That's fine. The body, the system can handle that. It's when the system does not work as well and cannot get rid of all these products that it overtacks the system and you don't have enough antioxidants in the system to make it work. And that will lead to increased risk of Alzheimer's. So what we're working at there is work at making sure that you have the right amount of antioxidants in there in your system, in your diet to help reduce your risk for Alzheimer's we're looking at uh, melatonin is actually a really strong antioxidant a combination of NAC and glycine has also been shown recently to potentially decrease your risk of Alzheimer's as well so those are things that you can do to help limit your oxidative stress so we we now know that it's not just mitochondria it's not just tau it's not just amyloid plaque it's mitochondrial dysfunction it's your sleep it's oxidative stress, all these different things are now being linked to your risk for Alzheimer's. We're now knowing that potential iron buildup in the brain by a long medical process called ferroptosis that also now has been shown to potentially be your increased risk for Alzheimer's. And now they're looking at products that bind the iron like little magnets to withdraw it. We don't know if those work well or not. There's a supplement called bacalin that may be helpful. Quercetin and curcumin may be helpful to help the body remove the iron from the brain and help decrease your risk of Alzheimer's. So what's good is now we are knowing we're looking at the broad swath of all the different things that may increase your risk for Alzheimer's. And we're trying to treat each different bucket, not just try to limit the amyloid, but we're trying to do all these different things at one time. And that's the way that you should try to prevent things initially and also try to do things if unfortunately you, do, you or a family member does have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, so those are the studies that have come out literally over the last three months in terms of what we now know it may be causing the risk, causing the increased precedent and prevalence of Alzheimer's disease. The last thing that we're going to talk about, besides everything else that we did, is I mentioned is something called the microgliosage. You're going to be hearing more and more and more and more over the next couple of years about microglia. What they are, the little, kind of little Pac-Man that help get rid of byproducts potentially. There are M1 and M2. M1 are the ones that can become hyperactive. M2 are actually anti-inflammatory. And what we're trying to do now is regulate, we want the, micro, the good microglia and not the bad ones. Because when microglia are activated, there's a clear link to Alzheimer's through numerous different things, through enzymes called TREM2 and, and uh, NF-kappa B and other chemical pathways to leading to risk of Alzheimer's. And we know this, it may all, microglia, abnormal microglia may be linked to other things as well, such as Parkinson's disease, ALS, multiple sclerosis. The list is going on and on and on and on. So, what you, So this is something that you want to be aware of microglia we're targeting them more and more how do we target them there are some prescription medications as well as some supplements that we now know can calm the, the microglia down and it hence may help limit your risk of Alzheimer's and the most common ones are low-dose naltrexone which I've done videos on all over the place, um, low-snaltrexone is a lower dose of naltrexone, which is used for opioid and alcohol abuse. It's not only anti-inflammatory because it bounces your Th1 and your Th2 immune systems. It also is going to t- help regulate the mitochondria, mitochondrial mitochondria, sorry, microglial expression. Minocycline, actually an antibiotic that we use for years and years and years, has been shown to have that same benefit. It's been done, it's done for about 10 days or two weeks. We've seen decent success with it. It has not been studied truly in Alzheimer's patients yet. It's something that we definitely want to look into. Products um, resveratrol and quercetin may help to calm down the microglia. And uh, something just came out in the last week or so in terms of a supplement called astraglicide. 4 has been shown now to help quell those microglia to help them get back to a rested state. And that may be something that... You can already get in supplement form that may help decrease your risk for Alzheimer's. So there's a lot of studies coming out literally every day now in terms of what's linked to Alzheimer's. We now know there's things that we can do to prevent it or help decrease your. I don't say prevent it completely. Anybody who's saying that they have a way to prevent Alzheimer's—that's not true. There's no one way to prevent Alzheimer's. It's—it's it's, we can definitely hopefully decrease your risk. You can do things, like as I mentioned, to do things on your own to help decrease your risk. But you want to understand that there's nothing that brings your risk down to zero. I wish there was. There hopefully will be in the next couple of years. But again, in the last year, we've learned about more about the microglia. We've learned more about the risk of oxidative stress, the iron overload, the blood-brain barrier. And there's really... nothing perfect that's going to help control the blood-brain barrier. There's nothing perfect that's going to help the oxidative stress Yet We're working on it. There are things that hopefully will come, and there's no perfect treatment yet for the build-up of amyloid or tau protein either. So the good news is, again, there's a much broader approach than there was even two years ago regarding Alzheimer's disease. There's definitely hope. We can assess it better. We can change lifestyle, make lifestyle changes easier. We can develop a program to help limit your risk of Alzheimer's. And hopefully get you where you want to be. So again, any questions? Feel free to put them in the comment or question box, and we'll answer as many of them as we can. And stay tuned for the next episode of Life Optimized Podcast. See you soon. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a biohacker, or an athlete, if you're ready to take the next steps to optimize your life, visit DrPaulvin.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R. P-A-U-L-V-I-N dot com.